My whole talk today is centered around what God wants Christian Center to do in the year 2023 is to seek the lost and disciple the found. Seek the lost and disciple the found. Go to John 11 with me this morning and we're going to talk about that very subject. Today as we get into John 11, it's probably one of the most famous stories in the Bible It's probably one of those stories I'm sure you've heard before because it's talking about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. If you're not familiar with the book of John or chapter 11, just a little bit of background as we delve into the story today. We're going to pick out uh, some different scriptures. We're going to read two towards the beginning and pick up a couple at the end and go go through this verse by verse with this thought in our hearts and our minds. We talked last week about John being on the Isle of Patmos and how sometimes God has to get us past our Patmos or past the difficulty so that we can then step into the blessing and the calling and the anointing and the things that God has for us. Sometimes you've got to get through your your trouble before you see an open door ahead of you. And the open door, I believe with all of my heart as I've been praying and I want to encourage you, if you haven't joined our fast, We're on a two-week fast. It's going to end next Sunday with a worship and prayer service on Sunday evening at 6.30. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't joined that, it's not too late. We're not going to get mad because we have been fasting and you join us halfway through. I promise we won't get upset. But if you'd like to pick up one of our prayer guides, because the prayer guides are set up like this. This past week, I wanted you to pray specifically about healing from the past. Amen? Sometimes we have to pray past the things we're going through and let go of the past so we can focus on the wonderful future God has for us. This coming week is called Alignment with Heaven. And I want this church to come into alignment with God's will so that we can see a community reach for the glory of God in the name of Jesus Christ. So as I get into John 11 today, I want to just kind of lay it out there that I am going to make a spiritual analogy out of John 11. This is a real story. It's a true story. It is a story that's related by John because he was there as a witness. The gospel stories are narratives of those who walked and talked and lived with Jesus and wrote out everything according to uh, the book of Acts when Luke wrote to Theophilus. He said, everything Jesus began to both do and to teach. And how many know Jesus isn't done teaching? And Jesus certainly isn't done doing this morning because we have a God that is on the move. And as my brother just said, and the reason I say just the, uh, just stand back sometimes and be amazed at how the Holy Spirit is just speaking to us as a church, God is moving in Citrus County. God is moving in Citrus County. As a matter of fact, to give a little plug, Abby will be bringing her YWAM group in. I've been talking about that the last couple of weeks as we can help house those folks and get with Abby if you have any questions on that. But that is a great evangelistic opportunity for us to invite people to, to see Jesus touch their hearts. How many believe Jesus is still changing people today? Jesus is still saving. Amen. Amen. So look at John 11. We're going to actually read verses 1, 3, 17, 33, 38, and 44. So just kind of follow along with me as we read along and starting in verse 1 of John 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick, verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. I want to point out there some important words. Sent word to Jesus. Look down here at verse 17. Verse 17 of John 11. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. 
Then if maybe you need to turn the page, turn it. But we're going to go to verse 33 and finish out the rest of this chapter. When Jesus saw Martha weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. Verse 34, where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Verse 43, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Father, for these next few moments and minutes as we are already here in your presence, never to leave it. Because God, you are continually with us always. I pray that God, this congregation that's gathered together to hear the word of the Lord, that it would go forth with clarity boldness that Holy Spirit you will do with it what only you can do because you are the one that makes the word of God alive in our life and in our hearts. So I pray as always Lord anything said of Jason Hanks would fall by the wayside but anything that's said under the unction and anointing of the Holy Spirit would go into the hearts of the people of God today and it would grow fruit fruit that remains 30 60 100 fold increase in our lives of understanding of what you're calling us to do in this day. And in this time, if you agree with that prayer, say a good hearty amen. Amen. I'm coming up on some milestones in life. Some milestones. This April will be 20 years I've been married to this wonderful woman of God named Leah. Amen. I really tried to talk her into getting married at the beginning of April. Because I still would have been 29 and she was 30 already. (laughs) But she wouldn't do it because our birthdays are just a couple months apart. So not only do I celebrate 20 years of full-time ministry this coming April, but also we are going to celebrate our 50th birthdays coming up in February. And you guys are all sitting there kind of skeptical like pastors trying to edge in some birthday present. No, 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 no. I have a point for everything I'm opening up and saying today. And uh, I told you guys I'd be that distinguished pastor by 50. So I only have a couple more months left of acting like my crazy old self. I may even wear like three-piece suits with a handkerchief here in my pocket or something. I don't know. I'm trying to grow my hair out a little bit and comb it over. I'm trying to do that distinguished pastor. We'll see how it works out. We'll see how it works out, y'all. I'm going to really try that. But y'all, I said all that to say when you reach milestones, you begin to reflect. You begin to reflect on 20 years of marriage and the ups and the downs and the battles and the things that we have walked through in ministry and life together, two beautiful children. And uh, you begin to reflect on those things and you just begin to thank God for what he's blessed you with. And then I also think not just 20 years of marriage, but coming up here next month, I'll be saved 25 years. So I've now walked with God longer than I didn't. And I want to tell all the young people in here, my, my years of walking with God are far more awesome than the years I didn't walk with him. Amen. There's nothing like walking with Jesus. But I, when I started in ministry, um, I just I had no intentions of ever being in full-time ministry. I had no intentions of pastoring. 
I was an usher at the back door of my church that was in revival and quickly growing. It went from 250 people to 500 people in the span of about a year. And these were not, these were all new converts. I look back and I think of my pastor in Ohio, Pastor Mark Pfeiffer, and just how difficult that had to be to have that many new converts to disciple and to help and to pastor and lead that church and realize just how amazing that that period of time was. But I quickly learned because at one point I did feel a call. I did feel like God was going to use me in some type of ministry. And I remember my pastor coming by and mentioning to me, hey, would you like to to minister? And I, I said, yes. He said, okay, you know, be here at such and such time on this Sunday. And again, I'm a fairly young Christian, had never spoke before, and this church is packed to the just gills. We always had to put chairs out. That's why I was helping usher. And uh, packed to the gills with people, just absolutely people everywhere. So I'm thinking, man, I'm going to preach in front of 500 people. This is, I was nervous, and I was like, wow. And, y'all, I got my best suit out. I, I told you this story before. It was black pants, shiny shoes. And a blue blazer. Y'all, come on, somebody. I mean, this thing, it, it, it was like fluorescent as I walked into the room. I looked like Cool in the Gang and Duran Duran have a love child is what I looked like in that moment. And, man, I came strutting into church. My Bible, I mean, I, you know, I was carrying the Bible. I got the biggest Bible I could find. It was like the, the grandma's coffee table Bible. Y'all, that, that one you could barely carry. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And he said, great. We have a, a, a six-year-old's back here in the back. For you to minister to that day. And I'm telling you the genius of the Holy Spirit is amazing. Because one of the little crafts that we did. And I said. I just said okay man I did the flannel graph. I was like acting out the whole thing. And the little craft we did was. Was it said it was a. It was somebody in a robe with a little thing on it. Somebody alive in the Bible times obviously. Holding a trumpet up to their mouth. And it said. It had where the kids put their name. And it said God's servant. And God just began to show me very early of any kind of ministry that I will ever go into. It's not about what you can get out of people. It's about what you can pour into people. And church, this passage of scripture in John 11 is a spiritual analogy of where I believe that our church is. And it's a now word from God. It's a place that I believe the Holy Spirit has brought us as a church right up to the precipice of to simply tell us this. He's not done pouring into you so that you can pour into other people. Because there is a lost, dark, dying world that needs to hear that there's a God who loves them. There's a God that's for them and not against them. And He will change and revolutionize their life. But I want you to know something this morning. It's not going to happen apart from the church coming alive and understanding that we're still seeking the lost and we are still discipling the found. That is our call. That is our mandate. And that is what Jesus has called us to do. But if I were to say what I want for you, because early on in ministry, I I realized that it, it does become a very selfless thing. It's not about you. It's about me pouring into a group of people who have the same heart, same unity, and same vision. But I learned very early on, what I want for you as a church and what I want for you in your walk with the Lord is that you decide that you're going to be all in for Jesus. 
that you're going to shrink the middle area of your life where maybe you're off over here doing your own thing or you've got your own vision and you're worried about your future and school and college and, and your job and your family and your kids. Can I make you a promise this morning from the Word of God? It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. So I have an answer for you this morning of how you can see a blessed life and that is to be a giving person in whatever arena God calls you into. But I want you to be all in. Amen. Everybody say all in. in. Become an all. In other words, what does it mean to be an all in follower of Christ? You live to bring glory to the name of your God. No longer on the fringe. No longer having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That you would say, Jesus, my ambitions, my agenda, my desires, and my will are laid aside so that I can see your kingdom advance. So simply living to bring glory to his name. What does God want for us in this coming year for 2023? He wants us to seek the lost and disciple the found. Church, we can never stop seeking the lost. Why? Because God never stops seeking the lost. He said he would leave the 99 so that he can go after the one. It's interesting, and I, I say the genius of the Holy Spirit because my, my brother, Pastor Dave, just mentioned this because he said, you know what, we can't change the heart of one of these kids. Do you understand? You're not called to make a convert. No. You're not. Only God can save somebody. Only God can forgive somebody. Only God can do that. What is our role? We love them. We serve them. We speak the truth in love about their condition. And that's what I want to talk about today. Is what a picture, use a spiritual analogy here of John 11. So what is a picture of a church that is seeking the lost and discipling the found? And I believe it's found here in John chapter 11. Look at verses 1 and 3 again with me as we go to our points this morning. Now a man named Lazarus was sick, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So church, look back this way. Let me paint a picture, a spiritual analogy of what sin will do to your life. Sin will destroy you. Sin will cause you to be spiritually dead. It will cause you to be in a tomb and in a dark place. And I just want to point out here in this, in this story, Lazarus is died, he's dead, he's in a tomb, and he is a spiritual analogy of the people that you come in contact, whether they be in your family, whether they be a coworker, whether it be a neighbor, or anybody else that you have influence and a relationship with. There are a lot of people that have never passed from death to spiritual life. I didn't say they don't come to church. Come on. I didn't say they don't quote Bible scriptures on their Facebook page. I don't say that they don't wear a cross around their neck. I'm saying there's a difference between that and and being spiritually passed from death to life. And in this story, Lazarus has died. He's in a dark place. He's in a cave. And you may come every time the doors are open. Wonderful. You can do that, but listen... If you have not had a born-again encounter with Jesus, you are in the tomb. You are not risen to new life. Is everybody following me? 
So we have to be aware of it. It, Listen, if that describes a person you love this morning, you know you've passed from death to life. You know that your sins are forgiven. You know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Matter of fact, let's stop right now and just thank Him that He's our Lord and Savior. Amen? But in this story as a spiritual analogy of what I believe will lead us into 2023 and also into this coming week as you pray those prayer points and focus on this alignment with heaven. When you come into alignment with heaven, all these things that we're concerned about and we live our life doing, we really see how small and ridiculous what we pour our lives into. You want to live a life of fulfillment, live it for God. But I want to point something out this morning. And number one is this. What do we do? What did these sisters do when they had their brother sick and their brother died, which is a spiritual analogy of his condition. And in church, we don't have to look around very much to understand we live in a sin sick world. I mean, every time I pull my little news feed up, I'm like, is that really happening around me? But it's time for the church to do one important thing. The same thing the sisters did is the same thing that you can do because it says they sent word to Jesus. Just look at your neighbor and tell them that. Send word to Jesus. What that means, church, is you can get the name of somebody you know is in spiritual darkness. They don't know the Lord and they don't have any relationship with Him. You can make you a most wanted list in 2023. Come on. It may be five people. It may be two people. It may... I love this in the story because they knew who to go to when they had somebody that they needed to be raised to new life. Sometimes we think we can do that work. We can't. But you can do the work of praying. Amen? You, so they, sent, uh, they sent word to Jesus. You know, church, I'm standing here in this pulpit today because there was somebody that never gave up on praying for Jason Hanks 25 years ago. Here's the kicker. I didn't want him praying for me. I get mad. Quit. I wish you praying for me. Why? Because... Things I was doing, I felt convicted about. Places I would go. People I was hanging around with. Things I was doing. I began to feel convicted about this. But how many in here have had a grandma or an aunt or a grandpa or a mom or a dad or a friend that said, I'm not going to quit calling out your name before heaven because I believe heaven can intercede and invade your life and come into your life. I encourage you today that when you have somebody that you know is in a spiritual tomb of darkness, don't quit calling out their name before Jesus, church. I came to encourage you heading into 2023. We're going to see heaven shake people's lives. The things that we're doing, being involved in rural family and kids camp, going on a mission trip to Mexico City, doing outreaches right here, helping with the outreach that YWAM's coming in. It is for one purpose and one purpose alone. People need Jesus. We're going to pray for a revival of souls in 2023. Amen. Look, look down at verse 39. So those who you recognize as spiritually dead, and to, to recap that in case anybody has any confusion, just because you come to a church doesn't mean that you're saved. Just because your grandma knew Jesus really well, 
listen, salvation doesn't transfer from grandma to you. You have to make a decision to pass. You need to, from life to death, you need to make a decision to follow him and make him Lord of your life. Verse 39, it says this, take away the stone. He said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. I love the King James. He stinketh. (laughs) For he has been there four days. Everybody say, remove the stone. stone. Think of it this way. Lazarus is in the tomb, right? He's in the darkness. He's in the place of death. And what we are talking about is there is a spiritual place of darkness and death. It's called lost. Amen? Just because you're born in the United States of America doesn't mean that you weren't born lost. Cultural Christianity will destroy Christianity if we allow it. Amen? But here's the thing. So not only have the sisters reached out to Jesus, just like you can, through prayer, you can put people on your prayer list that you know are in darkness, and you can begin to pray for them. But not only did they see, reach out to Jesus, but also they sought to remove anything that stands between the miracle and Jesus. So I love this part of the story because it says, Jesus said to them, remove the stone. Right? We, the say, I say the genius of the Holy Spirit because we've already talked about this this morning without having any idea what Pastor Dave was going to say, not any idea what Ginger was going to share. But listen to me, and I sat there and just in awe of how it's all ties together. Because when, when, I'm going to use this as an illustration since we just heard it instead of a different illustration. But literally, when those kids would get off the bus, what did they have? They had a, there had been people praying for them. People had sent word to Jesus. These are the kids who are coming. They have a list of names. There's people praying and interceding. And listen to me, just because you're praying and interceding, we can trust that Jesus is going to show up. But people show up with a stony heart. Ezekiel talks about that. He would take out the heart of stone and place within them a heart of flesh. And we often think, okay, Jesus is now showing up. Jesus is getting ready to speak His word of life. But there's something important that we can do as the people of God... And that is helping to remove the stone that is in the way from them hearing the voice of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And it's not just going to magically melt away. There is something the church can become to see stones. How many have ever just dealt with somebody that's hard to deal with? That's probably the person Jesus wants you to minister to the most. How does He want you to minister to them? In love. In care. In concern. Loving them into the kingdom. Church, if we could just grasp hold of God's love for us and translate it into seeing stones removed from people's hearts and lives, we would see the miracle of salvation happen all around us. Amen? Amen. It's it's removing the stone. Because people have stony hearts. What does a stony heart look like? It looks like that person that is so hard to deal with. It's probably going to be the, 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 the kid that comes to that camp that just you can't ever seem to get through. Listen, the language of life, people don't know how much you, you know until they know how much you care. And listen, this is hard. It's hard to love people that you don't really want to love, right? Am I the only one? No. I thought of a story years, and this is years and years ago. Lee and I would travel so much, especially before we started having kids, 
we were gone on the mission field the majority of the year, so we were only really home for a few months. And even then, we were traveling to churches and recruiting teams and speaking and, and doing all the stuff in ministry as missionaries that God was calling us to do. And when we left one time, we had neighbors that were living on the right-hand side. And when we came back, it was completely different neighbors. And here was the thing. I really liked the old neighbors. I didn't like my new ones. <laughs> I didn't like them because this uh, lady had bought the house and her kids decided to move in. And they, they, Lord help me. They weren't believers. They would leave trash all over the yard. We just had a little house. We were so proud. Our neighborhood was just the quietest little, most precious neighborhood, idyllic to grow up in. It was wonderful. And then they moved in. (laughs) And y'all, as the Lord God, I'm standing here behind the pulpit today. I, when I found out that the one man was selling the house, and right before we left on one of our trips... I'm I'm not even kidding because I knew we'd start uh, to have a family eventually and our kids would be raised there and knew all that. Knew God would plant us there for a period of years. And I I literally, I can see it in my mind's eye just as I'm standing before you today. I knelt down in what became my son's nursery and then bedroom. And the house was through that window right there, just 30 feet away. I put my hand up and I said, Lord, give me the neighbors you want. And when I came home from one of my trips, the son was standing on the, on the front porch drinking, having a fight with his girlfriend out there in the street. And she'd go to the end of the street and back up and screech her tires. And I said, Lord, did you not hear me? Did you not hear what I was saying to you? Because this surely isn't it. No response from the Holy Spirit. So, with no response from the Holy Spirit, I revert back to what the Word of God says. Love your neighbor. So, I remember Lee and I, after a period of weeks, just to get to know him, we baked something or cooked. So, I took something over to him. And I was expecting, like, angels to shine, (laughs) repentance to happen on the front porch. They just said, thanks a lot, shut the door in my face, and walked off. So, I walked away. And listen, the more I prayed for them the worse that it got. There was a stone, y'all, in these people's lives. The, 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 the one young lady had her boyfriend move in, and with, he came with a lot of baggage, including helping himself to other people's stuff. Are you tracking with me? Wouldn't do it right here in our neighborhood. He went to the next neighborhood over, so thank God for small miracles, I guess, right? And I came home one night, and this was a Wednesday because I was ministering at church on that Wednesday and I was preaching in the uh, adult service. So I'd been studying, and I think it was something along these same lines of how we can be, uh, we can be used by the Holy Spirit in order to remove stones from people's lives. And I was coming home, and I, I was always really upset because they put their, remember, they put their trash cans right by their gate at their driveway. And it wasn't like just a couple trash cans. They would take and tr- stack their trash up super high all over the place. If that's just to describe your house, I'm not, no condemnation on you. I got stuff all over my yard. I'm just saying that this particular day, their own dog, who had chased my kids a couple times, and that angered me too, their own dog had gotten into the trash that they had finally put out at the curb and ripped the bags, and it was all over my front yard. And I'm preaching that night. I'm preaching on loving people. Preaching on serving people. And I wheeled into that driveway. 
stopped. And I said, Lord, what are you going to do about that? It may have been the same question that was going around being whispered around Jesus. Jesus, what are you going to do about the stone? And he looked at them and he said, you roll it back. We forget that we have a huge part to play in people coming to know Jesus. Because in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, you go pick it up. Serve them. And I'd love to say I did it with a smile. <laughs> we got a trash bag. And, and here's the thing, y'all. They had, they had several little babies. They had a couple little babies. You can imagine, okay? You know, so you know what the dog was looking for, right? That's what I had to clean up before I went in and got ready to go back to church and preach that night. But Leah, tell me, as God is my witness, what was it? So within weeks or even months later... I had my place that I was normally at. I was in the very top of the sanctuary. It goes all the way up. And I texted her. Don't text in church, by the way. But I was texting in church with my wife. And I texted her because I, I texted her because I said, Leah, are those our neighbors that went to the altar and knelt down? And she texted back. She said, it sure is. Church, we can be a part because I, I, I'm, I'm joking around, but I'm going to be honest with you. We loved them where they were at. We loved them where, we, where they were at. And go over and I felt like blasting scripture out my window <laughs> regularly. I did. But church, if, if the church could learn how to be a part of removing the stone... And it says very clearly in there, Lord, we're not going to remove it because what's behind there stinks. Can I tell you what church you're in this morning? You're in a church that is not afraid of what's behind your stone. Because you're looking at people who had stink behind their stone. Oh, that's a word right there. The stink behind the stone. Fritz, that is my, that's the message thought I knew would come to me while I was preaching. The stink behind the stone. We get so, listen, if, if, if you're somebody who wants to go to a church where everybody puts on the fake suit and smile, and then you may want to go somewhere else because we're real. And we're real in the relation to telling you there is a word from Jesus that's coming and being spoken of deliverance and God's power and God's promises. But there's still a stone in the way. And I don't care if you've got to roll it away or chip it away a little bit at a time by acts of service and love and helping people. Then church, we can become those people that are instrumental in them finally because they send word to Jesus. And then they were, they, then he said, remove the stone and there's stony hearts in people that are only going to be removed if the church loves people. But people, but what do we say as the church? We say, oh, that, no, that ain't going there. That stinks too much. Do you understand if we, if we believe God's power is real, who believes God's power is real? Amen. Do you believe he's a saving, life-changing God? Amen. I'm in the right place. I do too. So what we say is, well, God loves you up to this point, but if you come out of homosexuality, we're done with you. Come on. God is a deliverer. If you're living with somebody today, we love you, but God wants you to come out of the cave because you're living in spiritual death. Come on. If you're an addict, we're not afraid of the addiction. We know a God who can, who can deliver you. 
and set you free. You're looking at a man that never would have made it if God hadn't put his hand on me and delivered me from all the stuff he's been done in my life. We're not afraid of the... And here, let me tell you even further, Jesus isn't either. He's not afraid of what's... He knows what's behind your stone. Yes, He does. Like Like I heard Max Lucado put it one time. He said, Jesus loves you just like you are. But He loves you too much to leave you as you are. He wants you to be just like Jesus. We, you know, we get so, I'm just rambling, so forgive me. We get so concerned. And so when we hear people talk about the fear of the Lord, you've got to fear. Listen, if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you'll never walk in wisdom, purity, holiness, all the things that God has told us to walk in. But, but listen to me, I've come to find something out about God very clearly. Even His judgment is rooted in His love. It, it's, 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 it's Him desiring nothing to stand between you and Him, but also that nothing would hinder you in your walk with God and loving people and walking forward with Him. So everybody say, remove the stone. Well, let's go back one. Go to Jesus and then remove the stone. Amen. We don't want to remove the stone because we don't want to reveal the stink. Amen. I don't know what's in your tomb this morning, but there ain't... This pastor not afraid of what's back there. And neither is Jesus. Because Jesus is in charge of the situation. Number three this morning. The people you are praying for need to realize this. They need to realize that Jesus still speaks. Look at verse 43. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Listen, what had happened? They had reached out to Jesus... They had removed the stone, which is us being the people of God that other people in the community could look at and said, hey, I know those people because of their love for one another. Amen? They had reached out to Jesus. The stone was removed. And listen, now there's nothing standing between Jesus and the person who is in darkness and death and despair. Listen, and when He spoke... He spoke on a personal level, Lazarus, come forth. Listen, if you have experienced salvation, it's because you heard Jesus speak to your heart on a personal level. And he called your name. And I just want to point out that Jesus is still calling the names of the ones that you love that have been on your prayer list. And you need to rejuvenate your faith today that God still speaks on a personal level. So if it's the son or daughter that you at this point have almost given up on, God, let God stir that faith up in you today that God's going to reach them and God's going to touch them. Because Jesus still speaks a word of salvation and deliverance to people. And the, this part always surprised me when I read it. It always surprised me. Because not only do you have to realize Jesus still speaks, but number four, you need to release the grave clothes. Verse 43, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, "Said to, everybody say them. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Church, none of us come out of the spiritual womb perfect. None of us come out of the spiritual womb without some things that still smell of what we were going through behind the stone. 
We're still a little wrapped up. There's still some things that are kind of tripping us up. Because, listen, everybody in here, when you got saved, you had habits, you had hurts, and you had hang-ups. You had habits, you had hurts, you had hang-ups. Let's talk about hurts first. Because, listen to me, hurts can be something that hinder you from being loosed and free and walking in the freedom that Christ said He set you free for. It is for freedom that you have been set free according to the Bible. But when Lazarus comes out, listen, He told them... Now, if if Jesus, which He did in the story, literally just spoke the man's name, Lazarus, come forth... And why did he have to say just Lazarus' name? Because if he just said, come forth, everybody dead would have risen in that moment. That's how much power our God has. Amen? So he says, Lazarus, you come forth. But he's still wrapped up in that thing that stinks because it's been four days. And listen, we can get saved. We can start walking with Jesus and still have things that are wrapping around our lives. I'll say this. You can be have walking with Jesus for 25 years and there will still be something that tries to wrap itself around your life if you're not careful. But that's why we need each other. In 2023, we're going to seek the lost. Amen? And we're going to disciple the found. If we're going to disciple the found, we're having 15 people get baptized here in a week or two. Praise God. That means they need people to come alongside them to what? To show what it looks like to be a Christ follower. Because he said to them, now if he raised Lazarus from the dead, and he did, then all he would have had to do was speak another word, and everything would have just dissolved off of Lazarus. So there's a spiritual analogy that I want you to get today, that not only are we to be people of love and service to see the stone removed, but when Jesus finally speaks to those people you're praying for, don't be surprised if you're instrumental in helping remove some things that are still caught up in their lives. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Amen? Amen. Hurts. In other words, when he came out, he was bound up and he was hopping. I'm almost 50. I might twist my ankle. You also just going to hop just a little bit. And you know what? That describes some of your all's walk with God. Because he wants you walking freely with him. And you're hopping through your life. You know what the answer is? Get yourself in spiritual community that will hold you accountable. Some people that will text you and check on you. Some Listen, some people that when you start to maybe go back into a, a habit that you know stinketh, you've got some people that are like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't want to go back into pornography because you are delivered from it and you walked away from it and God has set you free. Amen. You need some people like that in your life. I thank God for Esther Leah McMaster's Hank sitting right over here. Because she'll tell me all the time, that stinks. Your attitude stinks. And I get to say that to her sometimes too. But we get wrapped up in things. We get wrapped up in in old hurts, right? We get wrapped up in old... That's what hang-ups are. Hang-ups are... Listen, you need somebody in your life that, you know, you look at you and say, Hey, I've gotten to know you. I'm friends with you, and I'm I'm seeing anger rise up in your life. I want you just, I I want to tell you as a brother or sister in the Lord, you need to give that to Jesus. Because you're about to get offended at your sixth church and leave it again. Come on. And you're going to, you're going to, you're going to leave out of there and you're going to go into the other church the same way you left the church you were in. 
Come on. You need people that will be honest with you. You need people that, listen, nobody can disciple just themselves, right? And nobody can be discipled that isn't willing to be discipled. (laughs) So when you're willing and you're ready, God will start to put people in your lives that have walked a few miles down the road ahead of you. They can turn around and look at you and say, hey, I've I've seen some anger popping up. Or I've seen some change in your attitude. Or I've seen some change in this going on in your life. That's why I appreciate my wife so much. She ain't afraid to tell me. Buddy, clean it up. My question is, do you have somebody like that in your life? You need to. That's, that's why we have pop-up parties and women's things. That's why we had men's breakfast yesterday. That's why we have Bible studies that we're going to start on Wednesday night where we can break down into smaller groups. Because the Bible was very clear when it said, Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Some of you still have linen grave clothes of non-healing in your life because you've never let anybody in because you're saying, hey, this still stinks. And can I be honest with you? Your attitude may stink, but you need somebody just to lovingly tell you, give it to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You realize habits are just coping mechanisms that maybe you've fallen back into instead of Here's where you evaluate habits in your life. Are you coping, using something to cope that only God said He would be your comforter in? God wants you to be full of His presence, His life, His grace, His mercy, His love, His power, His ability to overcome anything in your life. And a lot of times, when we're, especially when we're well down the road, we fall even back into old patterns of coping with something that God has already delivered us from. Those habits and things can just sneak right back up. Number five, everybody say recognize. Recognize. You have to recognize the glory of God. John 11.40 says this. Lupita, if you'd come and just begin to softly play behind me, please. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So why did all of this happen the way that it played out? I believe that it happened the way it played out so that the church through generation after generation can encourage the people of God with an analogy of how we can reach more people and disciple people. I think that there's something in it of that. But at the end of the day, all this happened, Jesus said, so that the glory of God can be revealed. God's glory is a huge theme in the Bible. It's actually mentioned a hundred and let me let me get it here. It's mentioned 166 times in the New Testament alone. God's glory. So my question I thought of is, Lord, this was all played out the way, this all played out not in the way that Mary and Martha desired. Because when they sent word to Jesus, they made sure they let Jesus know, Jesus, the one that you love, the one that has been You've been in our house. We've housed you. We've, we've fed you. We've spent time around the table fellowshipping. And they love Jesus. And listen to me. Jesus loved them. And in that story, and, and uh, Abby shared it this morning as a word of encouragement to some, things didn't work out the way that you thought it would or the pray that, prayer that you prayed. It may have been God just simply saying either no or wait or yes or any 
whatever God was saying in that situation. So the encouragement was that David got up, washed his face, and went and worshipped the Lord. Sometimes when things don't go your way, you have to continue to believe that God works all things together for good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So if it's not good yet, God ain't done. And in this story, it looked hopeless. And can I tell you, the, the, the greater the love that God has for you, sometimes the greater trial you'll face in life. I know that flies in the face of all of our, you know, uh, can, candy canes and cupcakes preaching that you'll hear at most churches all the time. Because it's like, well, if you just believe more, everything good is going to happen. God is using this situation to grow the faith of everybody present that even when something is dead for four days, if God wants it to be alive, God can bring it back to life. And why? Because it's for His glory. And what that simply means when you see that, I'll give you the simplest explanation that I can think of when it says that this was for God's glory. The simplest explanation that I give you in our lives is that God wants to be accounted for. That God doesn't want you to see your life and God didn't want these precious people that he loved and was friends with and who took care of him as he traveled throughout ministry. He didn't want them to see God any other way than this. God wants to be accounted for and God wants you to know that He is good, that He loves you, and that He is going to come through for you. And here's what it does. When we ascribe to God and say, God, I know that nobody else could have done this but you. God, there's nobody else that could have come through and healed me like you did, who, who supported me through darkness and difficulty like you did. God, there's no one else who could have done this for me. But God, you are so good, and I ascribe to you glory for what you have done. Church, when we understand that God has some people for you to reach out to, listen to me, reach out first By bringing their name to Jesus. Get you a prayer list. Get you a list of people of of God's most wanted this coming year. And I'm telling you, we're going to celebrate some people getting saved that you never thought would get saved. That's my testimony. I've shared this, but briefly, I had people all throughout my family, my brother, my mom, my older brother, all throughout my family get radically touched and saved and on fire for God. And they all sat around and they looked at each other and said, man, we're probably going to have to pray for Jason for 15 or 20 years. And it was months. Months. Because I had people praying for me. I mean, I almost wanted to make them stop. There's so much conviction on my... I can't even have fun anymore. I want to tell young people in here, if you've got praying parents and grandparents... Give it up. Because you're going to run into such a storm of of God's conviction and love and and pulling on your heart. You ain't got a chance, honey. Everybody says, well, I came to Jesus. I didn't come to Jesus. He found me. And he found me broken. He found me addicted. He found me ashamed. But I serve a God who spoke my name and I came out of the grave. Come on. 
Isn't that what we sang this morning? Coming out of that grave. I see spoke the name. But listen, some stones. The, the people that you have the most difficulty dealing with are the ones that God wants you to love and show His unconditional support and love to. You'll have them in your life. You may work with them. You may be your boss. It may be your neighbor. I fear sometimes I'm that neighbor now. Because be careful what you say because you will reap what you sow. Jesus, help me. Bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Oh, first place I want to go, and I knew I'd go right here, is listen to me. Bow your head and close your eyes. The Holy Spirit, even right now in this moment, is going to put names on your heart. And for this week, as you pray and we're continuing to fast in unity together as a church, you pray that day's prayer and you allow the Holy Spirit to align you with heaven. And when you come into alignment with heaven and his voice, he is going to speak names of people, maybe two people for you. It may be 20 people for you. But God is going to begin to give you a list that you can call out their names before a holy God who is on a throne and the devil in, in control. God is in control, church. He sits on an everlasting throne. He's going to put those people on your heart. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to start calling out their name before Jesus. That's what the sisters did. Hey, go, go, go tell Jesus that Lazarus is in a place of death, despair, and sickness, and dying. And those people who are in a place of sickness and despair, and they're sin sick, because if we allow sin to continue in our lives, it brings forth death. Come on. And God's going to put those people on your heart. And then the second place that I want us to think of are the people that are difficult to deal with and the Holy Spirit wants to help you be a very mature Christian that even though you may not agree with their lifestyle, you may not agree with their politics, you may not agree with what they say and do, you may not agree with how they treat you or treat other people. Listen, hurt people hurt people. And we are to be agents of God's love and God's kindness and God's mercy. And listen, I've got a long way to go in that area But I want to just stop right now in this moment. Lift your hands as you sit there. You can stay seated this morning. Just lift your hands right there. Father, help us be conduits of your love. Help us be conduits of your mighty voice. Help us to be agents of those who help remove the stone, not put stones in the path of people hearing your voice, Lord. God, help us just recommit this morning that we will be people that love our community, that sow into our community, that helps remove those things, God, that are in the way this morning. Then finally, I want to ask this. As I talked about hearing the voice of Jesus, I know that there are people more than likely present today that you've never heard that voice. You've never heard him calling you out of the grave, out of the tomb. You've never heard that. But yet when I talked about it, you felt the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you come out of that grave. Come, come out of a place of darkness and death and despair and come into His glorious light. You're hearing the voice of love itself. You're hearing the voice that when we come and we say, Jesus, I don't know what else to say besides forgive me and wash me clean and come into my life. Listen, when I came to an altar 25 years ago in February of 1997, and I came to that altar. Nobody even came down and prayed with me. I just was so heavy under conviction. When I, when I knelt down, 
I had a radical encounter with Jesus. He flooded my soul with his life and light, and he washed me clean. It was a supernatural occurrence of God's Spirit breaking out and leading me. And listen, I was brought from death to life. I was brought from darkness to light. I was, I was brought from being condemned in my sin. and all my, I would have split hell wide open at that time in my life. And I went from, from hell to heaven. Why? Because I said, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, wash me clean. And Jesus, come into my life. I lay my life down. And God, I make you Lord. I, I, I give you everything. Take over my life. Lead me. Guide me. And you may have heard that voice this morning. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you that opportunity by putting up your hand. And by putting up your hand, what you're saying is I'm surrendering to him. I'm surrendering to that voice, surrendering to his call and his place in my life. Anybody in here, you heard that voice and you want to give your life to the Lord. Anybody, anybody, anybody. Thank you, Jesus. You're such a precious anointing of the Holy Spirit. Everybody in here is saved, so look back this way with me. Seek the lost and disciple the found. Those are the areas that this church is going to focus on in 2023. And to be sure, God's going to do a lot of other things, but my job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. The revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is right on the precipice of happening and it's going, to, it's going to completely change our culture and our country. You say, how can you be so sure of that? Because that's how desperate the times are. That's how messed up this world is. That's how badly we need Jesus to move sovereignly. So it's going to take everybody and then some in this room. I've said this before and I'll say it again. That's why we open our doors and I'll, I'll fellowship and work with any church that calls us brother and sister. Amen. And there's some I'm sure that don't, but... I will work with any other because it's going to take all of us as a unified church. I've often said this. If God were to move in Citrus County, like I know Calvary's praying and Christian Center Church is praying and our brothers and sisters all around, our Presbyterians and a Church of God, and the Med, we're praying for God to move. If he did, there aren't enough churches to hold all the people that would get saved. And I wonder if God didn't look, for he- look from heaven and even in his own sovereignty looks and says, I would love to do this, but the people who are already following me aren't prepared and in a place of maturity to disciple who I would. God isn't going to send them if we don't disciple them. He won't. There's church will stop right there until he grows us up so that we can be instrumental in removing stones and helping people hear the voice of Jesus and his love and his mercy and his goodness. And they can begin to follow that voice. But it takes us to help remove those grave cloths. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. I want to bless you as we dismiss this morning. It hadn't been good to be in the house this morning. I want to just give you a couple of reminders. Uh, prayer meeting tomorrow night at 630 if you'd like to come. We have our uh, Wednesday night at 630 also. And I'm going to be finishing up on my topic of angels and demons. Been good so far. Amen. Amen. I, I say that and some of you are like, man, I just can't figure this whole thing out. We're going to wrap and tie it all together on Wednesday night, so I, I encourage you to come back. And then, as always, just throughout the week, be praying specifically for God to lay on your heart those people He wants you to bring their name to Jesus. Amen? 
Let me bless you as your pastor. If nobody's told you they love you today, I love you. This church loves you. And don't walk out of here feeling alone and feeling unloved because there's a group of people, a lot of people that I've talked to that have joined the church in the last six or eight months. They say this, I felt at home there. And this felt like family. This is a family that loves you and will support you. And listen, we'll help get those grave cloths off. We ain't afraid of no stink, y'all. Because we remember what we smelled like coming out of that grave. Amen. We, we remember that we stink sometimes too and need the washing of the water of the word that Jesus talked about. Amen. Father, I bless Christian Center today. Father, may they be blessed going in and blessed going out. May they be blessed in their homes and blessed, Father, in their workplaces. May increase come upon them. May your favor shine upon them. May you put a hedge of protection around each life, each family, each person. God, as we travel and we drive around and we come back, At your appointed time, may the safety and the angels of the Lord bring us safely back here. God, surround us with your goodness. Surround us with your presence. And Father, today, God, I bless the people of God as they go. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Don't forget about our, uh, and listen, listen to Pastor real quick. If you've sat here this morning and you just, something clicked, even in helping in some way, You can come back here to this meeting and just listen to what kids' ministry is all about. As Ginger said, and I think was the Holy Spirit speaking, I was afraid of kids before. Listen, if you see some of our kids running around, you afraid? We're going to help you overcome your fear and get plugged in. Amen? Amen. Be blessed today, church. Love you all.